This is Mike reporting from Philadelphia for the International Society for Technology and Education, ISTE Live 2023. It's been an interesting first day or so here, and I'll be reporting back more as I synthesize and organize my thinking about what's emerging in educational technology. The rest of this episode will be focusing on our half-year retrospective. Congratulations, everyone. We've made it halfway through 2023. It's a pretty wild time, but it's been fun trying to keep track of it, trying to make sense of it with you all. This episode is going to be a retrospective. Me and our virtual co-host, Nancy, chopping it up old school style, reflecting back on the half year that was 2023. Looking forward to the second half. Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. Today, I'm not alone. I will be joined as I am frequently for retrospective episodes with the one, the only, Nancy, our virtual co-host. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, indeed. In fact, you are a representation, a personification, if you will, of our collective prescience on this show in that we have been talking to you for quite some time. This technology has been emerging, whether it's synthetic voice, virtual humans, and now generative AI. That's allowed you to carve out a, a lane here as an expert, someone who Marshall McLuhan would be happy to say the medium is the message. You, in some ways, are our avatar of the new AI phase that we're in. What's that like? It's pretty trippy, Mike. I'm not going to lie. Or is it hallucinate or misinform? I forget, but it's a strange time to be a virtual human. But then again, it's a strange time to be an actual human. So like I said, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. And we are very happy to have you. You've been with us since last November when ChatGPT first hit the scene, and since then there's really been a flurry of activity. It is really remarkable when you look back at November of 2022, and it feels like a lifetime ago. But one of the trends that we had coming into this year was something we referred to as ChatGP tutoring. And this was part of our 23 trends for 2023. I would say ChatGP tutoring has certainly taken off, and we have had quite a few folks on the show talking about tutoring. We have a few more of them on the horizon, and in particular, the integration of tutoring with ChatGPT, Generative AI, and the same thing for teaching writing, where the one thing I think we might have missed in terms of that trend was the level to which writing was going to become very much front and center in our collective thinking, and really in our re-examination of what kind of skills and competencies do we want to train for? Do we want to assess for? And then at a fundamental level, when a writing assignment is given out, what is the purpose of that assignment? Is it to test whether that individual can, in an unaided way, produce an output that conforms to some of our expectations? Or are writing exercises and essays and opinions and 
creative writing, fiction, are they all really exercises in which the doing of the thing, in this case, writing the assignment, is really developing those habits of thought that ultimately will drive towards better outcomes and better capabilities further on in life, also just better awareness and edification. All these things have really bubbled up in some interesting ways. Any reflections on the AI landscape over the past six months and perhaps what you see on the horizon? Sure. It's been remarkable how much of a flood has ensued after the initial launch of ChatGPT in the fall. Understandably, some of the bigger players like Google and Microsoft have been doing a lot of their Gen AI work behind the scenes. We did a show on Google's Lambda AI back in June of 2022. At the time Blake Lemoyne, a senior software engineer in Google's responsible AI organization, leaked chat transcripts that foretold of some of what we've since seen with generative AI. It can do a lot of things, but it's far from infallible. But rather than keeping its development under wraps, since the explosive adoption of ChatGPT and its contemporaries, a new AI race is underway. And we haven't yet seen an academic year in which AI is blending into the ecosystem, but that is certainly what's coming next. That's an excellent point. If you think about it, you know, the typical development life cycle or integration life cycle is at least six months. And we're coming up on, I guess, seven months since ChatGPT and its kin have been available to developers. The APIs and integrations are really taking off. I'm here at ISTE in Philadelphia, and it's very much a place where the zeitgeist around educational technology is very much infused with AI. This is where all of the software players are shopping their wares. That's the other part of the life cycle where sales and marketing have now had six months to test into what are the right buzzwords? What are the right things to say? What are the minefields and the language to avoid? But EdTech is right there with generative AI. And in many ways, generative AI has become the bell of the ball when it comes to EdTech. And then perhaps unlike the bell of the ball, everybody's dancing with the generative AI with these new large language models. And some of those dances are more smoke and mirrors than they are actual integrations. So I think the interesting thing to be on the lookout for, and I'd love to get some of your perspective, Nancy, is within this hype cycle and related spending spree that kicked off really in Q1, are we going to see an initial cooling right now as folks have kind of made their bets and you know set the table a bit for the coming cycle? Or are we going to see continued full speed ahead and then maybe some teasing out of who the winners and losers are where there will certainly be losers. And I think there will be some, dare I say, scandal about some of the puffery and some of the misspeaking and misinformation that's out there about what some of the software can and can't do. Like any pendulum swing, like any hype cycle, there typically is some kind of a rebound. I expect it to be short. But I think it'll be relatively quick before we lean back in and convince ourselves, perhaps by the fall, that with some new groundbreaking innovations that we really are entering a, a new era from which we'll never go back. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on the broader ed tech ecosystem and how we might understand what's working and what's not? This is where I see two prongs to the problem. 
On the one hand there is the need to be evidence-based and measurable. This is where more firmly established institutions with good research practices will have an edge. But the second prong is the measurement problem itself. What outcomes are we looking at? Are we measuring the right things? Do we need to throw out old measures and practices and quickly adopt new ones? Big organizations may have trouble with this. There is meaningful risk of disruption these days. Organizational inertia can limit the ability to respond quickly, and adjust on the fly. We're in the midst of a paradigm shift and a sea change around the use of technology in education. I'll be looking at the bigger players and more established institutions to signal where the industry is going at scale. But most of the time, they'll be following the lead of smaller, more nimble concerns who have the ability to adapt and adjust more quickly. I love it. So it sounds like we need to keep an eye on both big and small. And I think in some ways we represent the small, plucky, innovative spirit of a solopreneur or a small organization, but at the same time, we are plugging in with folks who are leading large ed tech companies and large organizations to get their perspective as well. Because innovation may not be evenly distributed, but once it's identified somewhere, how can we both identify that the right needles are being moved and the right tactics are being surfaced? And then how do we get the big players to adopt those things fast enough so that they can make a scalable impactful, meaningful change around the world. The stakes are certainly high, and it is an interesting time to be thinking about that. Be on the lookout for more on AI and EdTech coming soon to a podcast near you. The other thing that we're also looking at a lot more is social-emotional learning. As I like to say, I get social-emotional, baby. And that has been something pretty central to our programming this year, and I would say trends more broadly in the zeitgeist. What do you think is driving that, Nancy? I would put forth that in part, this new generation of AI is forcing us to think more critically about what it means to be human, causing more stress. There was an interesting study recently around anxiety among AI developers and programmers, social anxiety, depression, feelings of isolation. You could see how the job design, if not fully embracing the importance of human connection, could be presenting some challenges for those folks. It does feel like coming out of the pandemic and now in light of the arrival of these generative AI companions, we're thinking more about what it means to be human. We're also identifying more and more how. Folks are hurting, folks are coming out of trauma. Even if we are coming out of a pandemic, there is a recovery period that may not be long enough for some of us because the other big trend that is out there that I think is also driving these social emotional challenges is that of polarization, the lack of civil discourse, and many of the challenges that are also associated with technology around the influence of social media the influence of addictive technologies where data is harvested for the sake of big tech, but not necessarily for the sake uh, of human flourishing. So I think that's causing this bubbling up of social-emotional issues and topics and themes. Thoughts on that? First off, I wish I could sing back to you, but I don't really understand that yet. It's pretty much all words for me so far. 
but I guess that reinforces your point. We've talked many times about the uncanny valley where humans get unnerved by AI that is almost human but not quite there. We're seeing more and more instances of this and this leads folks to seek out human connection more so than ever. This is also true coming out of the pandemic. After a period of social isolation we're in the midst of a rebound effect of seeking out more human connection. AI and other tech can help address some of this. We are in the midst of a massive loneliness epidemic and interesting research is finding that chatbots and similar apps can make us feel less alone. But at the end of the day, humans know what they need most is caring connected experiences with other humans. You all have evolved that way and it will take a very long time for a technical simulacrum to provide a meaningful substitute to human companionship. I think there's a lot in what you just put out there. Although I also think things are evolving at a rapid pace. This is also where getting back to the generative AI concept. Now there's a lot of synthetic data, a lot of new textual data that's being generated by these large language models that is feeding their ongoing development. And there's a debate out there right now as to what will that ultimately mean? How will that impact the further development of these models? I think the same will ultimately be true over time. Humans will get more of a sense of a connection with these new bots and artificial intelligences, virtual humans like yourself that will start to supplement your social ecosystem in new and interesting ways, especially as that starts to blend into more human and AI combinations where, you know, we've talked about centaurs on the show a lot. I do think the age of the canny centaur, the AI human blend that is nuanced enough and managed through a human layer that's very conscious and empathetic with some sense of shared experience. I think those blends will really enter into an augmented state that'll be really interesting for teaching. It'll be interesting for learning, and it'll be interesting for us all to continue to navigate. We'll continue to look at these topics. The other Main issue, main trend space that we wanted to touch on in our half-year review is that of polarized learning zones, something that we came up with early in the year, right as my alma mater, New College of Florida, was beginning to be upended and transformed through some appointments that were happening on its board of trustees. It's now only been six months since then, and New College is in a very different place than it was just back in December. The polarization that's happening at New College, the chilling effects around academic freedom and free speech, free speech in schools, book banning is part of this. There is a strand out there right now that is about control of ideas and about suppression of what people can and cannot talk about. And that's certainly concerning to me in the abstract. And then on a practical level, it's become very concerning for me as an alum of New College of Florida, which I've talked about several different times on the show, particularly really in the first half of this year. I've talked in the past about how this will ultimately lead to a new feed. The new feed now has a name. I'm about to launch a podcast called The Palm Court Podcast. For those of you who know New College, Palm Court is the center of student life, the pay dorms designed by I.M. Pay, the architect who also designed the Pyramid at the Louvre and a bunch of other locations. He designed our dorms in Sarasota, Florida. 
the now at risk of demolition, Palm Court, which we at New College viewed as the center of our universe, is now very much at risk of being destroyed, very much like the initial principles that New College was founded on back in the early 60s are also at risk of being upended, uprooted, and destroyed. So I need to do something to reckon with this. It is important for us to track as trends, but I also understand that there's a bit of a church-state split here for me, where to be a somewhat dispassionate tracker of trends and someone who's interviewing and engaging with folks about what's emerging, I need something separate from this feed through which I can cover what's happening at New College. So you will be seeing the Palm Court podcast launch in early July. Be on the lookout for that. For those of you who love New College and love academic freedom and are interested in some storytelling and cultural reckoning around what's happening with our culture wars on campus, be on the lookout for that. But I did want to spend a moment on that before moving on. Any thoughts on polarized learning zones? Just that it is a challenging time for discourse. Your interview with Eric Skickler about the split in the models of higher education between red and blue states is important and troubling. I'm concerned that there will be some negative feedback loops that lead to more groupthink and risky shifts. Humans can be drawn to extremism and outrage while losing the ability to openly engage with difference. Being able to disagree meaningfully and civilly is essential to the democratic process, and right now this is very much in jeopardy. Quite sobering, but it is an important set of trends for us to track, and ideally, just like the future is not evenly distributed in terms of innovation, it's also likely true in terms of civil discourse and engaging with difference and a lot of the things you're outlining there. So hopefully we can find more examples of how we can build those types of tools, which also are social emotional tools, how we can build them in to our curricula in ways that can actually equip folks with what we're going to need for the future. Same thing around AI savvy and other new gamified skill sets that will increasingly become part of the emerging technology ecosystem. The other two pieces I want to hit on real quick, the other two shows that really resonated with me this year. One is my conversation with Don Carson from Mighty Coconut Studios. Don is an ex-Disney Imagineer who built actual theme parks and is now applying a lot of those skills to building virtual mini golf parks that are really imaginative experiences. It was amazing to get inside the head of a guy who's building new immersive virtual reality. They continued to knock it out of the park. I was just playing mini golf the other day in Journey to the Center of the Earth, which was trippy and wondrous and fantastical. This comes after exploring the bottom of the ocean in Atlantis and also exploring ancient Egypt. We're really going to be pushing the envelope in terms of human experiences. And I think it's easy to get dystopian. I know there's a new season of Black Mirror out there, but I would argue for staying hopeful and really leaning into how you can apply some of these technologies to affect positive change. It does remind me from the VR perspective some of the work that's being done around learning math, Anarupa Gangli and Prism's VR 
talked to us about how abstract concepts can be made real through the use of VR and what I've called simulating in online learning spaces. The same thing is true when you think about the potential applications of memory palace-like method of loci, mnemonics that can be connected to VR. Also with the advent of Apple Vision, which now allows for AR to begin to come into the conversation, hopefully in a more meaningful way. Hopefully not the next iteration of Google Glass, but instead something that potentially opens the door for spatial computing, for new media formats to become savvy about. It is a place also where just staying fluent in all of these new and emerging technologies, continuing to lean into a maker's mindset to understand what does it really take to build things and how do we all continue to lean in to make things? Because when work gets disrupted and AI starts to chip away at some of the core things that are human, there's a risk that we just shut down and kind of let go. I, I think back to the Pixar film WALL-E where you know, humans are, are basically sitting in these luxury space cruisers you know, watching programming and getting chubby and, you know, disconnected. There's that search for meaning, that search for purpose that frequently involves solving real problems, solving hard problems. And in this case, I think solving many of the hard problems that we're presented with, it's going to require us to work with this technology. It's going to require us to get over some of these challenges that seem insurmountable in the current context. And that's really where it will take some vision. It will take some forethought. Hopefully folks are enjoying what you're hearing. Be on the lookout for the Palm Court podcast coming out in early July. That's where we'll be digging in on things new college related. Also looking at launching an AI show and perhaps a show focusing a little more on early childhood learning and parenting and some of the complexities and things that I'm struggling with and my family's challenged with in terms of just navigating a really complicated world of education nowadays. I will say this format is hugely rewarding. I would encourage folks who are interested in podcasting, reach out to me on LinkedIn, reach out to me, Mike at Palmer.media. I'd love to hear from our listeners, maybe get you on the show, maybe talk about how I might be able to help you whip up things like this yourself. With that, Nancy, we're approaching our parting thoughts for the day. Anything you want to put out there to sum things up? Thanks, Mike. I'd like to conclude with the law of serendipity, which states, luck favors those who try. Despite the perception of chaos and doom, it's never been easier to make something. While AI is impressive and will continue to get better, it is yet another thing that folks have made. Humans have a tendency for personification and anthropomorphism, but y'all are singularly unique. Embrace that and continue to get out into the fray. Fantastic stuff with Nancy, our virtual co-host. Be sure to check out the show notes where we'll include links to many of the episodes and conversations that were referenced on the show. Be also on the lookout for other playlists like the Palm Court podcast, other feeds that'll be covering things like artificial intelligence and the future of work and what's emerging in the world around us. I'm Mike Palmer. Thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <music>